and a mouse keep running, running, and 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 running, running, Everybody and welcome back to the Weird Science Marvel Comics Podcast. This is episode 242, where me, Clay, and Brandon are going to go through a bunch of books that came out this week, this being Wednesday, New Comic Book Day, that came out today. But I want to tell everybody, if you were looking for, say, the Star Wars episode or the X-Men episode, the holidays, and then the pretty much massive nonsense that always ends up happening in my life has caused me to get a little bit behind even with the idea that there were going to be two other books on this podcast that you're going to be listening to right now but as i usually tried to do i will make that up to everybody i have not completely ditched the x-men books we ended up having the finale of the ten of swords i will be having an episode with those Coming up this week before we get to what will be the regular show on Monday. Also, I will be joined once again by Matt to go through the Star Wars books that comes out this Saturday. And that one's not so much of a problem because Dr. Afra came out last week. There are no Star Wars books that come out this week. So we'll call that a skip week and me and Matt. We'll talk about Dr. Afra and maybe even talk a little Mandalorian. We were talking about doing that as well this coming up Saturday. But where the other thing will lie is that we end up having two books. I'll tell you, they're Black Widow and Daredevil, two books I've loved, that I end up having to do those in the next couple of days as well. But I will do those as a separate kind of spotlight deal. And we'll put that so What I'm saying is there's going to be a ton of episodes that are going to hit this week on the feed in a crazy way. We'll probably end up with five episodes on the feed by the time we get this week done. And you can choose what you want to listen to or what you don't, all that sort of thing. But I just want to let everybody know that I apologize for missing out on those and I will make it up. Now, I want to tell you where you can find us. Maybe to yell at me. You can yell at me. I don't mind. Actually, I do, but I like to say I don't to sound pretty cool. But you could go over to Twitter, WS Marvel Comics, follow us, we'll follow you back. Go to our website, WeirdScienceMarvelComics.com, where you can read reviews of all of the books, get news and previews as well. And if you really want a ton of shows and would like to say, well, Jim, thank you for making up for these lost shows, I want to support you and give you some encouragement. You can go over to our Patreon, Patreon dot com slash weird science and support us for as little as a dollar and i've had some people ask me what is this patreon thing because i often in my mind I, i forget that maybe people don't exactly know what that is well if you go to patreon and you end up subscribing to our thing and get whatever level you get what you will do is you'll get an rss feed that you can input into whatever podcast player you're listening to right now And you will now get the Patreon feed, which is its own pretty much podcast network, where every time we release a show that is on the level you do and all that, 
you will get that there and then you can listen to it just like any other podcast it pretty much there's no fancy things there's not like oh i don't like to go to websites and you really don't have to you could go there one time ever get the feed and boom you never have to go back but if you do want to listen to them different ways and whatnot but you don't have to get any fancy app or anything usually it's just what you already are listening to and for the most part everything that we do are podcasts so if you like podcasts, you listen to this podcast, you want more, more stuff like Marvel, DC, indie comics, and other things besides comics like uh, movies. Uh, this coming up month, December, that we're in, we are going to do our movie podcast, and the movie that we're picking from are a bunch of Marvel movies that we are ending up seeing in a poll. If you go to the badass level, beep, boop, you get to pick everything that we do, and you get to pick which movie we're gonna do and we had put uh, there's six movies up there we have some you know clat blade deadpool these are all up for picks i think right now amazing spider-man is actually winning so we'll see but each month we go back and forth we just ended up doing a wonder woman from 2017 a podcast on that in november so now this month is the marvel deal but we have a bunch of marvel stuff as well but we have our thing here and the other thing, I, I'm getting ahead of myself, actually, because we also have our Patreon Spotlight, something that I always talk about. It's a Patreon-only Spotlight podcast that features two books that are picked by the badasses of the Get Fresh Crew, Beat a Boop. And this week, they ended up picking, and don't blame me, blame them. But if you really, you could go over and listen, uh, we ended up having King and Black, number one, on the Patreon Spotlight. And also, we ended up having... Fantastic Four Road Trip. I talked to Brandon about King and Black, and I talked to Clay about Fantastic Four Road Trip. That whole deal is about an hour and 10 minutes. I like to point that out because I want to make sure people know that we don't skimp out. It's not like, well, that's on there. We'll get through this quick. We like to actually kind of take our time with the stuff on the spotlight, especially. So if you want more and you want to hear what we thought about King and Black and Fantastic Four Road Trip, go over to patreon.com slash weird science. My last bit of commercial here is that if you sign up now, it's now as I'm saying, it is December 2nd. You don't get charged until 2021. You would not get charged until January 1st, 2021. But if you don't like what you hear, you can quit at any time before then and never get charged. So it's pretty much a no fuss, no must deal. You could use all of December as a free trial to check things out to see if I'm telling the truth. Do we do a lot of stuff? Is it something that you would be involved with or like to enjoy? Well, that's up to you and to come over and listen. A lot of times the Patreon, they set it where as you join, you get charged right away. I don't like doing that because I'd rather have people want to get to, you know, want to stay in things and, and want to check out things first to see if it's for them. So, again, if you go over there, you won't be charged right away. You can check out all the things. You could listen to everything. We have almost 2,000 podcasts on it. If you had the time, you could listen to all of those and then quit and never get charged. I, I would hope you wouldn't, but you could do that. So we're going to go off now, though, to the books that we're talking about, me and Clay are going to be talking about two books, Union Number 1 and Champions Number 3. And then me and Brandon are going to talk about three books that include Thor. We're going to do Miles Morales. And we have the number one, the MODOK 
Head Games, which every time I say that, I want to sing the Foreigner song, but we end up having that as well. So we're going to go off now to all of that, and thanks, and away we go. We're going to start the podcast with, as we always do, me and Clay. Hi, Clay. What's up? Well, what's up? A bunch of books. Now, as a behind-the-veil deal, me and you just got done finishing up our talk on the Fantastic Four road trip for the Patreon Spotlight, and I got to calm down a bit. I got to calm down. We were yelling a lot. (laughs) I I hope that we don't yell as much here with the two books we're going to talk about, though maybe, maybe we will. I don't know. Because these are odd books. Uh, we're gonna the union number one is first, and me and you, neither of us really knew what the hell this was going to be. If it's a one shot, a continuing story, when we end up, I, I had heard it announced, never really knew exactly what it was gonna be, and was confused right away. That's the King in Black tie-in for a number one issue. That's that's really odd. And with that, we don't get much King in Black in this anyway. So is this just a way to try to fudge the stats and get people to read it, which they hope would be, you know, the stepping on deal of a continuing series where they read it? Because this is continuing. Is that what you think? Because that's what I think. Oh, I, I, I think that, you know, maybe not a whole lot of people would be, you know, big to jump on this story. But if you make it a tie in to a very, very popular character. People are going to jump on this book. Yeah, a big event. It's starting this week. Yeah. Now, with that, if you were out buying this and you said, I got to get every King and Black story reading it, at the end, would you be excited to continue reading The Union or would you be pissed that you were duped into reading this because it's barely anything with King and Black? I, at think, least this I think that I would be more pissed than anything. I would um, too. That's what I worry and, about. And I know that's a little unfair because I don't know these characters. I don't either. But. Just the fact that they did literally maybe two, three pages of like actual tie in stuff. And then like at the very end, they try to tie it in. So it looks like maybe the next issue might also be a tie in. So the first two, I would think that the first two issues might tie into the series and then like three onward will be its own story. Maybe. I think that's what they're probably going to try to attempt to do. So that way they can have the, the first two issues be big sellers. 
and that will get and people then hopefully to buy the third. people will keep going so, they'll get yeah. hooked and i i get that and i think that if you end up and it does seem like the union will be going against you know at least some null symbiotes going forward in this next issue uh that might be a little you know cooler the problem is is jumping into this i don't really know many of the characters and a lot of these seem to be just reintroduced different versions and new characters as well with this idea of having the britannia project uh i think that what you don't get in this is any sort of idea what's going on with these characters and the whole idea where basically it seems as if they're having you know Britain's Got Talent contest to get members for this team and to name it. There's a lot of things thrown at you that are not well, you know, described or or fleshed out. But no, I it think is- you you described it to me in the best possible way when we were texting earlier. You said that it seems like we missed about six issues before. Yes, that it does. <laughs> it it seems to me as if this is a tie-in to already an ongoing series where, okay, we got that first arc, we got the team, let's go, because Paul Grist, who's the writer, and I'll go through the credits in a second, uh, he just he hits the ground running, which it serves some things okay, but by the end I just thought, I, I don't get what's going on here. I really don't even get the concept of this book. It seems like this is something that was going and whatever, but it is – the Union Number One, written by Paul Grist, pencils by Andrea DeVito with Paul Grist, inks by Drew Garacci and Lebo Underwood with Paul Grist, colors by Nolan Woodard, not with Paul Grist, and letters by VCs, Travis Lanham. No, the primordial and malicious god of the symbiotes has been freed from his prison at the edge of the galaxy. Older than memory and imprisoned for millennia, the god king of the abyss has led a horde of hundreds of thousands of symbiote dragons across the cosmos of the trail of destruction and death in their wake. Now they have arrived on Earth, the galaxy's final end of defense against the King in Black. Now, please, I just want to point out the idea that we know about Null. What we don't know is this team and this book. Why are you using the intro deal? I know there's no recap because this is just starting, but give us a little idea. Give us a little idea of some of the characters, something with that, just as that being a weird deal of just telling us about Null. So we start off this book. And you're just seemingly in the middle of a contest. Now, again, if this is something that maybe it continued from something, please let us know. Because I don't know. And you even start out where I thought of you because of the Power Pack comic book <laughs> intro. I knew this we, was going to come up. <laughs> yeah, we start off with what basically seems to be a Saturday morning cartoon of Britannia. And again, I, I don't get anything from this. I'm not getting a lot from this. And looking at it, I'm like, I hope that this art style changes here. And it does, because this is just a funny little deal. And we go in, and I do like the art in this. I think the art is really good. It's really, really good. But we start off with this, you know, announcement from number 10 Downing Street, the idea that there needs to be a new team, a new leadership, Britannia, the team, and they're going to have a contest. You know, Britain's Got New Heroes seems to be the contest. They're all being talked about, things like that. But we just go into this without even knowing what's happening with Union Jack running through a gauntlet slash game show gauntlet just to end up planting the flag. Even the idea that they're playing pretty much capture the flag, but plant the flag. And there's a weird introduction with it. You have these other guys with you. And I don't know what's going on. And then you have the talking heads on Good Morning Britain, Good Morning UK, where they're talking about voting and vote for the team name, vote for the people. 
and, and I was completely lost. I, I really, at the start, had no idea what was going on. How about you? No, I, I feel the same way. You know, I'm really glad that there was finally some, like, I don't know if this is just narration or internal dialogue that actually told me Union Jack's name. Because you jump in here, and usually, you know, it, it's it's both ways at Marvel or DC, but they, they usually give you some sort of indication on who the characters are on the page. Especially with Marvel, usually in the beginning, what I was looking for, because this is a brand new book to me, I was looking for the usual uh, cast that they usually show and at I the very beginning that. of the Marvel That's books. one of the things I love at Marvel, even this past week. I end up talking about Shang-Chi, where I was getting a little confused with the characters. They finally gave us the bubbles with, with the characters just to give you the names. That's all you need so that you know going forward. Now, they try to do that a little with this Britain's Got New Heroes, Britannia, Snakes, the Choir, Kelp, but you don't know which is which. If you don't know who the Choir is, you don't know what that is. Kelpie? I don't know. You know, I would get, but you don't know this. And I'm, I'm guessing Kelpie is the one that, you know, deals with water. With water. And yeah. We, we do, we do get, you know, near the end, we do see the, the little title card of the characters. And you're is like, it okay. Too late, though? I, you but know I what feel I mean? like it is because it's like near the end of the book, things are happening. And like you, like you said, this whole, this whole, um, you know, Britain's got talent thing. Uh, I'm not entirely sure like how that is supposed to grasp it's me. It's working. Yeah. And yeah. I'm with you. I, it doesn't to me. And so what the weird thing is, is by the end, I actually am interested. If I'm interested in anything, it's to learn more about these individual characters, maybe, mm-hmm. but, but not the team and, and not what they're doing and not this contest and not, the, not even their tie into King and Black because what are you really going to get? Because I don't have any sort of connection so if all of a sudden we go to the next issue and a null symbiote kills kelpie well, you think i'm gonna cry about that i, I don't know her so well and th- that's, that's that's the big thing here is you know y- you go through this whole thing with union jack you know he's running through this thing we see that they're basically playing uh 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 what is it uh that ninja warrior is what he read. Well, they're playing well, capture the flag. Capture the like. flag. Yeah. That's what yeah. I was looking for. He has a flag and he's supposed to mount it onto something. And he gets to the point where he needs to go, but Britannia was able to take the flag. And so that's, you know, you're like, okay, well, does that mean he lose? Like, what, what does that mean? They don't, ex- they don't explain it with such a prominent part of the story being that whole ninja warrior thing. Yeah. And so, it gets worse. Because they, when she plants it, you're supposed to have this laughing wow moment that it says Darwin Tech. We, we don't know what that is. We have no idea. No, and they and wait mad. again to the end to explain who that is. We don't get very much of him. And when the confrontation comes with him and the rest of the team, this dragon shows up out of nowhere. Out of nowhere. And, they, and just attacks as if they they were expecting it, or they this is usual, right? Yeah, but we yeah. don't know. And so Britannia comes. She is apparently the uh, you know the I guess the better known hero of everybody out of everyone. So she's the one that takes charge. She fights the dragon, cuts off its head, and then gets stabbed. And I'm like, oh no! But at the same time, I'm like. I don't care. No, 
No, and and why I like Britannia, the only re- she, she kind of seems like the uh, you know Wonder Woman. <laughs> I guess yeah. she's Wonder well, Woman. No, and- like if you look at the front cover of this issue, she is very prominent. She looks like the leader of the pack. She looks like she is probably a huge badass, but we don't see anything from her, and we just see her possibly die dying and so with this you're you're relying on a bunch of things here that i'm not getting you're relying like you said we don't really know me and you at least and and we're pretty much this is the thing if this is something that you're like well you should know this that or the other thing this is a number one issue we're going into this we're full out telling everybody we're being transparent as they say that we don't know these this is why we're reading this number one to learn about them to see if we're interested so this idea of you know britannia yeah we kind of get that she's the one that everybody likes and they want to talk to but i know nothing about her so i don't have a connection she ends up having what appears to be a little rivalry for union jack i mean i'm getting some things but not enough then to end with this deal where she might be dead and we care also this thing where she plants the flag and it's oh man this would be something where you know everything with this darwin that he's always about himself like you get but this idea oh man and she's mad i don't need this branding in this i'm like i I don't get what's going on here it reminds me of like an agents of atlas that you just jump into don't know the characters and you're expected to you know go with but There's just I don't even get the concept of what they're really doing. There's sides, but what are the sides? All these things to try to figure this out. And then, like you said, a dragon shows up, and Britannia ends up beheading it, but then seemingly dying at the end. And then, just at the very end, all of a sudden, these null guys show up, and they're like, "We're gonna take you down." I'm I'm guessing the dragon. The dragon was that, yes. Yeah, turned into mush and turned into the symbiote, and then took control of them. Yeah. The big thing is, you see these other guards. Yeah, you have our main heroes, but then throughout that, you also have what looks like cannon fodder throughout this, where each of the heroes, including Union Jack, has this like grunt that's running with them, an army guy that's around them, and they're. And when this dragon goes down, it seems to be the full setup to be beheaded so that it bleeds out symbiotic deal. And then you see it getting around the guy's feet. So that's what turns him into this. But that's just thrown in there then as well. And like, hey, Joey boy, it's time we fight. And then that's it. Done. You end up having the rest of the team there, you know, <laughs> going and after them. And here's just, here's the big thing for me. And. I don't know if this is, you know, something that I should say, something that I shouldn't say, but the the big thing is that this is, you know, could be, you know, this is called the Union, so it might be Britain's Avengers, right? Is 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 what I am picturing. Is what is what I'm picturing. I get no voice in these characters. Like what and, you're saying is nobody comes in and goes, "Hello, love." Like and that. I don't, and, and I don't want it to be over the top. No, I know what you're saying. Kelpie, at one at one point, you see a little bit of an accent in maybe one or two words, but in nobody else's dialogue, you get that at all. So I don't know if that is just ignorance on my part, or if they just need to, you know, elaborate on who these characters are a little bit more. I was thinking you were going to be hateful like Brandon. I was really worried. But no, and and where I got this, and I, I didn't do my due diligence, I would assume that at least the writer, you know, 
Grist is a Brit. I would assume I, I that. I did. I just looked. Okay. Just is to make he? sure. And he is a British okay, comic I would book assume writer. that it would be that. But the problem is, is from the very beginning, I don't know. I, I don't know if I've mentioned this in the, my mother's British. She is still a British citizen. Uh, so I, you know, grew up, she has a real heavy accent, even after all this time and a lot of the, the stuff that she says and things like that. So when I went and they're like, hey, what are we supposed to be doing this for? And you have Union Jack say, Queen and Country, apparently. That and a cup of tea, I'm like, I really hope this is a British writer because that is such a, you know, a trope, not even a, tra- you know, that's such a, oh, no, no, spot of tea. Like, you're, you're yeah. throwing this out there. Thank God he's British because that to me was even a little bit over the top, like you're saying, without getting any sort of idea from the characters themselves. And even with it, really not even getting the idea, okay, this is the union. We have, you know, BBC One doing the Good Morning UK, but never got the idea of Britain itself in this. Also, with the idea of it saying we gathered up heroes from around all the parts of, you know, UK. This isn't just England, but I didn't get the, you know, thing of, oh, that that person's Irish. or Oh, they're from there. Oh, they're, you know, Wales. They're Welsh. I, I didn't get the idea of any individuals like you're saying, and that did throw me off like. Which one's Scottish? Which one's this? Which one's and I I didn't get anything except for Union Jack's costume. That's all you get that really <laughs> spells out the deal. And that I think was a misplay. I, I do think it was that. I would have rather to center not on this, you know, America you know, Britain's got heroes game show type deal. If you're gonna do that, I would have liked to have seen the heroes fighting their way through their individual countries to get on the team and then maybe spend some more time on them themselves where we can get some characterizations. Cause at the end I had no connection with any of these characters and don't care if no slices and dices and they're gone. And that's a shame because I think the art is really good. And there is something about this book that kind of does intrigue me with this new team going forward with this as a, like you said, an alternative to the Avengers having the British Avengers type deal. Then I start thinking like, where's Captain Britain? What, like, well, where does that pull into this and well, all that? We kind of already know. Well, those who are reading X-Men know, but, and, but not even like, and I wish it was even more tied into that. Like, well, we got to step it up now because of that. We don't, we're not going to spoil things, even though <laughs> most people probably do know, but just the idea of Union Jack intrigues me, and there's been different Union Jacks, things like that, but I, I need something to give me a reason to continue reading besides being a tie into King and Black. That that's not that's not the best thing to get me to get involved, you know, in a yeah. new book like this. It's it's kind of if you want to say it's a kind of a smart thing, I, I don't even agree with that. What I would say is maybe having this team involved in the king and black story in some other book to introduce them and then start a series after if it hits but they're doing it the opposite way and try to force this down your throat and i don't like that but i don't know there there really isn't anything except the next issue it looks like they're going to be fighting symbiotes and maybe we'll get a little more but i'll give it one more issue i usually give things three issues maybe i should give it three but it didn't anger me Right. I didn't no, sit there like, and say it and just I, confused me. 
It 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 was very confusing, and I will say this: the art looks great. It's awesome. The art is so good. I, it I, really is. You know, if if this was a hey, let's judge a book by its cover, I would immediately buy this. Yes, I would too. It looks and, great. And you know, Union Jack, everybody looks great when they are even like together or solidified. I would enjoy this book probably for the next two issues, you know, issue two and issue three for the art themselves. The but art. yes, I would, I would say that it definitely needs to pick up, you know, by that third issue. So that way we know it can stand on its own rather than just a tie in. It's weird. And maybe I can't explain it because if this had more of King and black in it, say right away, it jumps into it. Then I could say, well, maybe there was something more before that. They said, well, let's just get into the King and black with it. But you wait until the end anyway. You had so much more time to set up at least, you know, y- y- you center on Union Jack mostly. But then the big thing is Britannia dying. And then, they, like, everything's all around. And I, I just don't get anything by the end. But the art is really good. And that's going to affect my score because I, I, I almost want to give it a 6 out of 10 because of just the art. But I'm going to go 5-9 just because I didn't get anything more from the book but that but what would you give it yeah i was i was debating on whether uh i would be a little too high or a little too low uh because it's just right there in that like just gray area and i think i i think that i would just give this a flat six i'm gonna give it a six too (laughs) i don't want to be the negative one i i wanted to give it a six but it's just as we're talking about it we keep mentioning the the problems but it does look great it it really Mm -hmm. does and Maybe maybe I need to be a little more positive for this first one and and save the real negative five nine for next issue if it doesn't improve because it might be one of those where the next issue really does open up things and then we can enjoy the series and that's all I want. I, we don't have a ton of books in comics in general right now that we're loving and I want that and and this was one of those every time we get a, a number one especially with something I don't know about. It's like, I hope it's the springboard into something that surprises me that I loved it so much. Like, oh, my God, this is the book that I never knew that I needed, but yet here it is. And and I don't know. I hope that we get it. But right now, the art's great. Check it out. I'm sure a lot of people will check it out because of The King in Black. But we're going to go to the next book. And I say that I give things three issues, right? I usually do until I realize, okay, this isn't for me, whatnot. But. Champions number three, I'm not enjoying it, but I'm telling you, I will still keep reading it because I love the characters in it, except that the characters that are in it, half of them are barely explained or used to a point where I get confused. But I get, you know, some of them weary, uh, you know, Miles like and and Miss Marvel. This is the only book she's going to be in now. Kamala's series was canceled, so we're going to have that. But this Champions book is is not great. And it, it has been, you know, obviously anchored down or you know pulled down by the outlawed story but i had the hope last issue that we're going to kind of get away from that a little yet we come full circle and we it, go it, it full just goes boom into the idea and it's fine if you're going to do that but, but but it's surface level nonsense still where it doesn't evolve anything from it I mean, even by the end of this issue, it seems that Eve Ewing has to pull back and say, well, I better have something like a speech where they say how great the champions team is because we're not getting it in in this deal yet. And it just is just a nothing book to me right now. 
And again, no, I don't know. I, I didn't get as angry with this issue because I feel like I'm about to just give it up. And just, you know, it's one of those where I've decided not to get angry because I can just drop it, whatever. But it is Champions number three, written by Eve L. Ewing, art by Bob Quinn, colors by Federico Blee, letters by VCs Clayton Kells. After a disastrous battle involving champions, Kamala's law went into effect and underage superheroes were declared illegal. The government-sponsored Task Force Cradle has been enforcing the ban, arresting defiant young heroes and sending them to re-education camps. Miss Marvel, Nova, and Spider-Man, now fugitives, sought the aid of their former teammate Riri Williams, a.k.a. the armored Ironheart. Fearing the repercussions of breaking the law, Riri was reluctant to help, but she was forced to suit up and join them in battle when their presence drew Cradle to her home. Unbeknownst to the champions, the person who re- uh, revealed their location to Cradle was the Vision, which we know, presumed dead after Cole's disaster, but why is she betraying her teammates? And and we know why. She, she doesn't want them to get hurt. She pretty much spelled that out. And in this issue, you're not going to get more of that. You're going to get such a forced-in deal of her heading to kansas and suddenly living with a lady who had her own problems as a girl and it's just nonsense it, 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 what happens in this book i said i love the characters that i love want to see more of them because we don't get a lot of nova in any other book we don't but the problem is is with champions even since jim zub we talked about this there is a heavy price to know what's going on it, you end up throwing oh you know we're gonna go visit our friend who knows who this friend is if you haven't been this is not anything that's going to get in my mind new readers involved it's all for the readers from before that weren't enough to keep the book going anyway and after all that you do end up with this re-education set we we talked about this all before the idea of this you know us against them no gray area in a thing like this and it just keeps going with that. It keeps going with this idea we're going to re-educate. I don't know even what Cradle is all about, really. They're always just there as this ominous bad guy. They're throwing re-education center and all, all this stuff in there. And we don't get much more of that this issue. But y- you tell me about it. I <laughs> Well, you know, when I read this, I felt, for one, the dialogue was very robotic. It didn't really push anything. Uh, I know that they're trying to show emotion, but I just couldn't get into it. And, you know, we, we get these people or these kids in this re-education camp and they're supposed to make it look like a prison. So that way you're like, Oh no, you know, they're really, you right know, down your throat. Yeah. And it's just like, I'm not getting any emotion. I'm not seeing why, you know, this is like, yes, I understand. Okay. They're capturing heroes and keeping them here. I understand, okay, that might be bad, but there isn't really anything that's, to me, showing how this is just like, oh, how downright miserable or dangerous it is for these heroes. So them lashing out, okay, you know, they're trying to start, you know, uh, uh, you know, some sort of whatever. I think in- a food fight. That's all I'm going <laughs> with. A friendly neighborhood food fight. And, and, but, but here's the thing. We also get, uh, what is her name? Uh, uh, Nadia Starling and uh, oh Nadia okay we get we yeah. get Nadia now I did not get I did not know this about Nadia until I started reading her a little bit earlier but she is somebody who is trained in the red room right okay so why is it so hard for her to fight here why because she doesn't want her and I'm saying Eve Ewing and and that's the thing and you're right. And and where you, ha- you even have this weird 
little repeating dialogue in this one scene where Locust doesn't want to eat. Hey, Locust, here's your food. I don't want to eat. What is this, a hunger strike? I don't know what you have in the food. Okay, done and done. But then the next, you're not eating. You're not going to be strong, and we need you to be strong. No, 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 I'm not eating. Then again, aren't you eating? It keeps going on. Yeah. Everything is forced. And and like you said, where I get it, the robotic, and I, I just want to tell you offhand that Viv, she is a robot. So her robot, I know you weren't talking about that, <laughs> but no, because what happens is this is where there's certain books that end up being like this. And what I always equate it to is the writer wants to tell this big thing. Eve Ewing has this big thing she wants to tell, but it it ends up being forced. And so what happens is the characters end up, in my mind, seeming like a school play where they're all standing there waiting for their line. Like, okay, when she's done there, they're trying to remember their line, and then they belt it out. I am Snow Guard. I, and everything feels like it is just fully – it doesn't feel natural. It feels fully scripted. It feels like you're just waiting to say your line, say the big line, and get out of there. But then with that, you end up having this re-education deal. You know, we're not getting quite that they're that angry. The, the lady who's giving the food seems to care, but you don't center on her much. And then all of a sudden, everybody's had enough, and they're going to start a riot. But is Cradle, like, that big and bad that they will shoot them? You know, is this a a riot that when you had enough, you're putting it all on the line because you may die when you we don't know, because we've never really centered on cradle. And this is the thing. And I was talking about it in the slack today, you know, all nonsense when I get angry. But most of the time in a book, you need a really good villain to really up the story. Cradle is the villain here. But Cradle is just the generic, they're bad. We don't know anything about them, really. We don't. We had Dum Dum Dugan as a point-of-view character at one point. That seems to be pushed aside. And so they are just the endless, nameless you know, deal of, we're going to do this. We don't see anybody being against it, but whatever. So when they go to attack and riot, you're just left with like, okay. And then all of a sudden you have stormtroopers come in. And, you know, throughout all of this... It just ends up being a big nothing that then starts with Bombshell saying, I am I like the Kamala's Law. And even with Eviewing, the way she's playing this, we don't know if this might be something from what they're eating. I mean, Snowguard ends up saying, like, there might be stuff in here that, you know, and I don't know. She's like, but yeah, and then you just have Bombshell. I do agree with it. Just everything is just thrown at you. And I don't have any feelings for it. And I want to know more about the characters, not in this way, because what you're getting here is just people pissed off and people not wanting to. Be, I'm not getting it, but we go off to, to Viv, who, like I said, she hence she saw Wizard of Oz at one point mm-hmm. and she thinks that she wants to start her own deal. So she goes to Kansas. I don't mind that, but she just happens to hear a lady crying in the distance. This lady is crying because her power has gone out and the utility company hasn't come and fixed it yet. That's the setup. And she goes to see, and again, this is 100% forced. I mean, how forced is it that Viv finds one house that the lady ended up running away herself, ends up doing all this stuff and trust her to basically let Viv live with her immediately and then leave her alone downstairs while she goes to bed? 
I, I just I, I just don't get the idea of what what is happening in this book. You go with it again because I again I'm yeah. getting angry and I don't want to get angry about it. But well, and it's unfortunate, but you're you're right. It is very forced and it feels very odd. You know, for the situation that, you know, anybody could find themselves in, a random stranger comes in, decides to help you with your electricity, of all things, and then says, hey, you know what? I think you should. You're a runaway. You can stay at my place for at least one night. Like, no, that's just it's it's unrealistic. It's weird. And, you know, they have this like offhand like, oh, well, have you ever been hurt before? Like, yeah, I've been hurt before. I've been hurt by the people that I trust. And what does that mean? And, you know, oh, it's very human. And it's very on the nose. But the one thing that we want to see in this book is the champions, is the team. And one thing that upset me is this book loves to tell, not to show. <laughs> yeah, it, and and that, that's where I think that when you say the robotic delivery and I say it sounds like life, that's exactly it. You're exactly 100% right. It tells you everything. Yeah, because, you know, we left off with, you know, the champions being confronted at Riri's house and then getting into a fight. We don't know how they escaped that fight. We just and we see... don't even get to them until almost the end. Yeah, the the the, the last the last five pages or uh, I mean, it's a little bit more than that midway through, but it's still it's it's nothing. We see them running away. And we talk, we, we see the narration of Miles saying how, okay, they were able to get away for so long. They tried to talk to Amadeus. They were waiting for them. And so they're hiding out at some random kid's treehouse. And it's a friend. But again, this is what I'm saying. This is something that we, we, me and you haven't seen. So we, well, we don't know. It, and I, I assumed just like how on the very first issue, there was, you know, two sides of this argument, whether teens should or should not be heroes. And it, it sounds like, you know, there was just some random kid who was on the side of wanting teen heroes. He was probably on some random website forum, you know, and they found him, you know, that's, that's what I would assume this is. So it played off kind of okay. Okay. But then, you know, when they're in the treehouse, they're staying overnight. We see, uh, Sam is having a bad dream about Viv and there's this really weird conversation about how apparently Kamala is trying to make this all about herself when we've never gotten that really. No, no. And it, it's that that's like you're saying we need to see that. And even with Amadeus, we have a, you have this just passing deal. Yeah, we went in Amadeus, and you have him in the treehouse. That's supposed to be funny. But you, all I keep thinking of is this kid. He's done. They end up saying they're not going to arrest him or anything like that. But wh- why are we pushing forward through you know spread pages something that happened just to have nothing happen and to have these sh- say don't show kind of deals where they end up getting caught? Now I'll even go back just a little. To the Viv and it just bothered me Because she ends up at this lady's house And you're going to have the idea that This lady had a troubled past that's going to Lead Viv to realize everything's Okay and people have problems that you have to do. But she ends up my, my power is off Viv flies up into the air Fixes the power comes down and says I do not usually eat That doesn't compute And the lady goes I know what you are 
a runaway. I'm like, lady, please (laughs) open your eyes. I mean, does she know? And this is a dupe because as the power and everything goes up, we're going to get back to Gilligan's Island where everything that's on a radio or a TV in this book is only about the disaster or Mm -hmm. the champions on the run. So is this that this lady, this is a way that she can, you know, turn in Viv because, you know, but if Viv gets it, this throws a lot of things in, you know, out of the deal because Viv dying is what the big thing was and are exploding things. But, yeah, you go and, and they end up now again confronting Cradle. And this is the this is all we keep doing is them running, getting away. Cradle gets to them. They're running. Cradle gets them all that. And then we get to the point where they're like, uh, and, and just the idea, this is probably the last fight. Like, why wasn't the last seven that? But this is the last one all together. You know, at one point, you even have them, well, we're going to separate. We'll do this. No, we're a team. And, and that's the thing. I'm not getting any of this from just like, oh, man, they're such a great team. They're all bitching and moaning all the time. And they have to keep saying it's about me. It's about you, whatever. And then we do what you had in my mind. Again, the problem that we had with the Spider-Man LR issue with Doctor Strange. You end this issue with the best thing that we've gotten in this Champions book since it started, where where you get Cyclops show up at the end. And he is badass. He looks awesome. I was all excited, but this isn't what I needed from the Champions book. To have Cyclops be the biggest moment where he ends up saying, these people here, these kids, they're now members of Krakoa, and they have diplomatic immunity. It's basically, and you can't hurt them. I, I, that's how you end this. And like, man, Cyclops, Scott Summers, current X-Men, always a champion. I'm like, now, all right. Well. Jim, I, I have something that is really out there. Now, okay. this, this may be, you know, something that, can't even be fathomed, but I'm just I'm just thinking out loud. So we know that we we know we know that Scott Summers, a younger Scott Summers, was a champion within the last what five years, within the last three years even. But that younger team went back to to their original time. Do you think? That because I know with this current run of X Men, the very beginning because I I did read uh uh House of X and 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 Powers of Ten, and I know that in the very beginning of all that there was a lot to do with time travel, a lot to do with changing the timeline. Do you think this is still the exact same Scott Summers that I at would one like point that was a champion with them? I wish and I hope because really if it's not even if it is but at least that's something clever and they could kind of go with that but if it's not this is just again surface level let's throw in an X-Men to to get things going because what's going on now on Krakoa especially after last week (laughs) they got a lot of problems over there on that Krakoa they don't need any other kids or anything uh, troubling them (laughs) as it goes on they got a lot of stuff on their plate including Scott really not being able to go out and speak for anybody but himself. And even then, he kind of got himself in a little bit of hot water and things like that, going off on his own to go save somebody. And so a little different circumstances was his son. But with this all going, is this also maybe a way to get 
cable on the team? I don't know, because this just seems out of nowhere. It seems, again, that the Krakoans and the X-Men and Cyclops himself have a lot of things going on that they wouldn't just be sitting around watching TV and say, I think I got to go help those kids, though there's the connection. I just think it's just for a cliffhanger. And I'm going to guess that when we go to the next issue, this is just my thinking out loud. You're going to end up having Scott say, oh, man, you know, Cradle, they went away. They don't want to get messed up and entangled with Krakoa and that sort of deal. And then the champions say, yeah, we don't want to go there. We're going to go on our own. And then we just start over again with the nonsense. But I don't know if it was the time travel deal and we had that. I know some people would go nuts because they didn't want them there and when they went back all that but he also like you said you have cable and sun cable but you got a lot of ways bishops you could have yeah. some time traveling stuff that would end up being pretty cool uh just the idea if it wasn't for dan slot we could even have a freaking franklin on the champions yeah, franklin, team. Be a franklin and val i would love it uh and i don't know I think that's Scott ready to to blast there. He's at the ready. <laughs> Might be a little over the top, too. But it's it's an awesome cliffhanger. I didn't expect it. And to me, again, that's the best scene we've had in three issues of a book. And it's not a character in the book. And so you're just jumping in with that to almost seemingly get desperate already and start having guest stars like that. And so I'm worried. But I do like the end. We'll see. We'll see how it ties in. But... This book, it just keeps going with the same one-track deal. It's very surface level. I say it a lot. I don't want to say it too much, and I don't want to just keep being down and down and down. But we're not advancing anything in a way that, oh, I didn't see that wrinkle. Or, oh, I, I didn't think of that. What you're doing is you have one side against the other. Yeah, you end up having, you know people saying well i I think that but nothing is really gripping you just have the kids running around i'd rather have them just being the champions you could have had this whole deal with this disaster and the internal deal of the team trying to deal with the idea that viv died would have been fine for me for this book didn't have to be outlawed you didn't have to have kamala's law you didn't have to ruin all these other books just have it that the team is splintered because they don't know if what they're doing is right and then i'm fine You'd get character moments, but instead we're going all over the place. We're not dealing with the characters themselves. And I'll tell you, if you don't know the characters, the scene at the beginning of the re-education center and the big fight, you, you get lost of who's saying what and what people do what and what their MOs are because a lot of these characters are kind of new and people don't know. So it just is, to me, just a book that just sits there doing nothing. I'm patiently, hopefully, waiting for it to be a book that I like. It's not yet. Uh, anything else for you? Yeah, no, I think you you hit the nail on the head. Um, you know, the art was nice. You know, it, it, it okay. wasn't bad. You know, uh, I I honestly don't know what I'm going to give this uh, as far as the score goes. I know what I'm going to give it. <laughs> it's not I, a bad score. I mean, in my mind, people think it's bad, but I'm, I'm giving it a plain five. Not any FU five, nothing like that. Just a plain five because... I'm just not into it. I, I just want to, and soon we're fair. not going to talk about it uh, because soon uh, you don't want to keep talking about a book that you just keep not liking. And then people, well, what do you expect? And maybe we'll we'll drop it at some point. Maybe now. And, I'd like and to see what's up with Scott, though. I, but I think it. I think it is a little bit of a 
uh, I, I don't even know exactly what to call it, but for, for people like you and me, we love these characters and we want more characters. from them. And so it's hard to just stop reading a book with a character that you absolutely love. Now, Bendis has shown how quickly I can drop a book. Yeah, but, yeah, that does happen. <laughs> it does. But, but, you know, with something like Marvel, with, you know, which I am new with or newer with, you know, mm-hmm. finding Same characters here. that I can attach to is really fun. But when I find a book that I, you know, there's a handful of characters that I really want to know more of, and then I'm not getting it, it it's hard for me to say, oh, I'm going to have to cut it here when we are only three issues in. You know, it's almost like you want to with these. I want to wait a full arc and then see what happens, because I would say that after this first trade, you'll get to an actual story. This will be the outlaw yeah. trade and hopefully we'll get past. And really, the idea when I heard that Miss Marvel was canceled because I love Kamala. I know not many people are buying or reading that book. I actually buy that book myself, even though I get the review copies because I love it. Same with Miles. These are the things. And I had a letter in Miles. And in that letter, I even said how much I like Miss Marvel as well. I mean, this is how much I do love them. And so when Miss Marvel was canceled, the first thing I thought, well, I guess I'm stuck with champions because I want to continue. But Miss Marvel in this book is a sad sack who just keeps she, it's beyond blaming yourself now, Kamala. Let's get this team together yeah. and, and figure out a plan is what I kept because Kamala isn't like this. This isn't to me like you end up and where Eve Ewing, she wrote Ironheart. This is a character she says is near and dear to her heart. She does nothing in this issue. Nothing at all. She just sits there. She she does a Lord of the Rings reference is basically the only thing she does. Yeah. And you just move on. And so I just, all right, well, maybe there's too many characters. Maybe the story's too big for this. And maybe once we get out of this, we can actually have you know, a good deal and, and go on with it. But yeah, I'm at a five. You you have a score. Uh, yeah, I'm going to go ahead and go right there with you with a flat five. Okay. Yeah, it sucks. I, I really want to like it more. I wish that I could just be like, yeah, it's the greatest thing. But that's how that's how the cookie crumbles, as they say. But that is it for our section of books. I'm sorry that we couldn't be more positive this week. Me and you had three books. Each one we, we got angry with at least at some point. So there you go. You had two on this and the one on the Patreon. But we're going to go off to Brandon, and we have some big books for Brandon there. Hopefully he'll he'll pick up my spirits. Well, <laughs> he rarely does. He's already told me. I, I sent him the books where I, I expect him to say something like, we're going to do, like, me and you. I send you, hey, we're going to do this, this, and this. And you're like, oh, that's cool. Did you read any? You go, I send it to Brandon. We're going to do this, this, and this. And I get back, great. That's all he says. And then I don't hear it from him for two days. So who knows what he's up to. But we will see right about now. But before we go, as we always do, tell everybody where they can find you. Yeah, you can find me on the Twitter at Fanboy Clay. Uh, you can find my other podcasts on uh, anywhere you listen to podcasts of uh, Fanboy Comics Podcast, Batman News Weekly Podcast, Comic Book Legion Podcast, and the Ranger Alliance Podcast. A lot of podcasts, but they're all good. <laughs> I always, I, I end up when I have my DC and Marvel uh, recap shows on the Geek Ultimate Alliance deal. I, I do end up talking about your Power Rangers podcast <laughs> more than I think people want me to. I just keep mentioning it. And I'm like, hey, it's great because I don't know much about Power Rangers, so I am 
getting into that through you. So I thank you. So everybody should do that as well. But thanks, uh, Clay. And we're going to go off to Buffalo and talk with a Brandon. And here I am with Brandon there as we intro yep. into three books here, including a number one. A other issue that ends a big arc in a, in a kind of a weird way. And then also Thor. There you go. There's the three books. And we've been liking Miles and we've been liking Thor. So this should be a positive section. We're going to start with Modoc Head Games number one, written by Jordan Blum and Patton Oswalt, which I'm telling you, over at DC, Patton Oswalt has had a couple of things that have not been so great. So I was a little worried <laughs> about this, but it's art by Scott Hepburn. Colors by Carlos Lopez and letters by BC's Travis Lanham. I like Pat Oswalt, but that last issue that he had with the dark multiverse stuff, it, it was not good. His Zaz story. I don't even story. remember it. He had a Zaz story that just was not great in that it, it was an anthology deal. But, you know, you end up having this Modoc book and it, it's pretty good. It's actually not bad. It, it has some surprise to it. it. Yeah, I was. And it has a. Kind of a weird feel because to me it has a very similar way of, you know, the story setting up like Christopher Cantwell's uh, Dr. Doom book where you have Modoc yeah. seeing into the future. Visionist too a little bit. Yeah. yeah. So he's seeing this weird dream world of his that may or may not ever happen or be real that he needs to be reprogrammed. All these things going on. But the fun of it is is having Modoc just go around and be Modoc, being a jerk, getting upset, having all these things, uh, and getting shade thrown at him by Monica Rapacini. And Monica is like they're both going at AIM. AIM has a new structure going on. It's kind of a round table of people. And they're even in like the first deal is a heist that they're doing. Very similar if you saw the movie Solo. It's very similar to this, you know, crazy, you know, along a mountain train heist deal that ends up being stopped by War Machine that is way over the top. I mean, pretty much. War Machine shows up. It looks like a stark bullet train they're trying to rob here. But you end up having War Machine come up and he has at least seven million types of guns that he's going to shoot at them. But with that, Modoc. He's, you know, part of the big deal here and he's daydreaming, he's dreaming, he's fritzing out with all these things because in this future life that he's kind of seeing, Monica is his wife. And so yeah. this idea it's of like him a and family her, life he's yeah. got living in the suburbs going on. And the funny thing about it as it goes on, you get Monica older, but they're married to him and Modoc. They're having kids and whatever. And one kid just looks like a young Monica, and the other one looks like a girl version of Modoc. And it made me laugh so much. I'm like, I don't know why, but I'm like, I I actually want at least a Modoc plushie, but I actually like the daughter. I think it's so funny. Oh, it's so for funny. Monica's sake, I hope that was a C-section. I, I sincerely hope that was a C-section. And and obviously, yeah, really, she w- she would have been crowning <laughs> for at least seven months. You end up here with this, where the the fun the fun of it is Modoc, obviously, but there is even little bits of the art where I love when you go back to the AIM headquarters and they're talking about how AIM was splintered, competing factions. They're getting back together. You have a bunch of AIM guys sitting around. You have a bunch of guys in suits. You have Monica and then giant Modoc right in the middle where he's getting yeah. sh- shade thrown at him. It basically is Monica explaining why everything that went wrong was because Modoc 
is on the fritz. He has Screwed to be up. decommissioned. Yeah, he has dreaming. to be done. And and they end up, and it's so funny where, yeah, okay, you know, this is something. And it picks up to me where she says, we just lost all this money and all this stuff because Modoc is not paying attention. He ends up, we got to reprogram, we got to wipe us, whatever. And then he just goes down the list of exactly how he has earned more money in the last 15 minutes. And then you just sit there and it, it, what makes me laugh about this is that just shows you that Modoc could just, they could just have Modoc sit and do his thing and they will be quadrillionaires, whatever zillionaires. No need to be robbing trains here. But that's what they do because they're Abe. And yeah. Modoc, he wants to do that as well. So it makes me laugh. The idea, like, no, guys, you, it's almost like the whole thing with Dr. Evil, where he comes back and he's like, yeah, we're going to do this, this, and this to get a million. They're like, well, we make a billion already. Why would we want to do that? He, he, They just want to do their thing and be, you know, aim and all these things going on. You do see yeah. a bunch well, of other Monica villains. Monica is there. definitely, uh, he's the Dr. Evil and she's his Scott. She's definitely his Scott. And, and so, well, he says all this. And even when you get little, uh, you know, little panels and narration stuff, it does go with like right in the middle, like freak. A monster like it's something's going wrong here with him and he yeah. goes off to kind of decide what he's got to do is he going to reboot is he going to do it? but that's when you end up seeing where he's looking and he's using like a, you know a projector to look at this family that's when you see the big Modoc girl <laughs> it made me laugh so much it is like <laughs> the perfect combination of monica and Modoc. Yep. and but yep. and what I like about it, too, is whatever this perfect world that he's envisioning and whatever, I like that there's just no question about it. You end up having the sisters they're getting along. You know, nobody's yelling like, hey, they're big head or whatever. They all seem to be very happy. They're doing this. They're trying to make Modoc nice. But then when Monica sees this, it like, ends up blasting. Thing. Like, he is really off. He is having a lot of problems. Uh and, yeah, and just, he's frustrated too because he's running these diagnostic things. He can't find out what it is. It's not a virus. It's not a, a old memory. He's he can't piece it together. And he thinks that this is a setup that Monica is setting him up. You know, I and he says, I gotta get out of this building and try to see what I can figure out because something's wrong here. But I'm telling you, I could see Modoc going down the hallway by himself, and I'll always laugh. I, I laugh at Modoc all the time. And then when you <laughs> Just have a the character, arms and legs hanging yeah, out there from the then side. you have a character who is basically yelling at him about his little arms and legs makes it better. Then to know that the sexual tension, at least in Modoc's head, because he thinks that like this is the perfect deal for a life. It just makes me laugh. I, I mean, the whole thing, it, it may not be, and, and if people have listened to this podcast, you kind of know what me and Brandon like. And well, this is pretty much what we like to have as a side book. I'm not going to tell you that yeah, this no. is the I best thing ever. Of this. Yeah, and uh, this isn't the greatest thing I've ever read. But I had fun. And, and a lot of times nowadays, you don't have a lot of that. So I do like it. And AIM itself, just the regular AIM <laughs> workers are just goofballs yeah. themselves. And, and then you have MODOK thrown in uh, the, there. And the, also, the, my this. favorite part is coming up when the, this random one, he's like, it's me, AIM worker 365, that took out MODOK. 
he's all happy with himself because they're it's always like me just shouting fodder. out my FedEx number when I yeah, clear really. a shipment at the You're top like, of yeah. my desk. And then they find out that you shipped it wrong because he does. He jumps up and he uses <laughs> he the grab discs. He puts them on Modoc. And I, the funny thing about this is I didn't realize exactly how bad an idea this was until Monica's like, you idiot. I'm like, well, what's the oh? And then she explains. He ends up having these grab discs that makes him, you know, heavy gravity hits. He goes to the bottom level. Now, I don't know why he wouldn't just break through and just go to the center of the earth, but he stops there and, and it is the armory. They have sent Modoc into the place where everything of weapons that they have ever grabbed, whatever. And then you get to see Modoc with a flaming sword. Uh, pretty much, it looks like you He's know Star Lord's like gun. He's got one of gun. every superhero weapon. He's got Spider Man's web slingers, Ant Man's. He's got Ant Man's helmet. He's got <laughs> Deadpool uh, grenades. Like they're all there, and he comes up, and it looks hilarious. It looks yeah, hilarious with that. And I would guess you know you even have Cap Shield or at least a shield there that he has, and uh, you know Robbie. But yeah, you end up going, and so. You have Monica, she comes down and she's going to fight him. Now she's going to fight him. And again, this is kind of the funny thing where it's just for fun. She sees the banner booster shot where you can become the Hulk. Obviously, she injects it into her arm after Modoc misses with the web slinger. (laughs) And doesn't hit. Her arm turns into the Hulk arm. Just it, arm. It's just the arm. Okay. It's yeah. just the arm, and it's hilarious. And so she's punching. She she punches him out of the Ant Man helmet, which is hilarious. But he's still blasting all that as things are just going crazy. But again, this is what happened. He ends up fritzing out again because when he sees Monica and he's trying to get yeah, her Monica's down, definitely a trigger for this whatever's going on and ends up seeing the future version that's his wife and and this is the thing he's talking about this oh, I'm gonna take her down you're a jerk you're a pl-. and then sits there why do I know that she likes you know hummingbirds and she got a scar when she first sold this and all that and that's what she uses just knocks him the hell he comes flying up through the the ceiling he floor comes back again to where he started here yeah. and ends up just there and he <laughs> says and even then you have the aim workers like hey it's over modok there's no way out and he goes you are and then what what'd you say he gets real close like an idiot what did you say i said you are my way out and throws the grenades the deadpool grenades around this guy to pretty much blast his ass out of there and it's crazy and then he just goes and flies he goes and flies off to tony Who's there blasting? He's got the repulsion blasting away. And then Modoc just shows up and he says, I might be broken. And that actually does make Tony stop. He's about to blast yeah. Modoc. But it's like one of those where Modoc, and I love to, just, he puts his hands up, his little teeny hands, like, no, 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 I might be broken. And then in the back, you see this family. And that's where you really see that daughter. <laughs> it makes yeah. me laugh. I know. She's got a cell phone in her hand. What do you need that for? Look at the yeah, size really, of your Yeah, really, look at you. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, and you end up, Tony, who's about to blast him, just stops and like, what? And I thought it was really well done. It's just yeah, a goofy issue. A it's a fun, goofy issue. There's not. It's not going to blow your mind. But one of the first villains that I dealt with when I said, hey, I want to you know, get into some of the Marvel stuff, and you were in some people just shake their head, but me and you are Gwenpool fans. Yeah. We're big yeah. fans. And you ended up telling me to read that. And Modoc was in that in flashbacks, things like that. And it was funny because at that point, if people have been listening to the podcast for a long time, 
I was listening to the Comic Vine podcast and they hated that Gwenpool book. They wouldn't even talk about it. No. And so I avoided it. I didn't know. And you told me, I'm like, okay, you know, I'll deal with that. I'll, I'll check it out. And we really liked it because right away when you say Modoc just makes me laugh. He just is such yeah. a crazy looking a guy and villain. how over the top he is and things like that. And to have this as a deal where we look like we're going to have an Iron Man Modoc team up going. I'm in. This is just a mini series deal, I think. So I, I, I can I deal like with this. I like how he asked for help. He's like, he's like Stark. My superior computer brain might be broken. <laughs> yeah, he's he's <laughs> so pompous. Like, he is the ugliest, most ridiculous <laughs> thing ever. A big giant head that pretty much flies around in a, a mechanical flying chair. And yet he is yeah. so pompous He'd be helpless and that's what otherwise. that's what works because it's so ridiculous yeah. but yet oh, he's fun. he's it's the fun. only one who I doesn't know every, he's so ridiculous yeah i don't need every joker to be like you know just a sick twisted joker type villain you know just sometimes a light-hearted kind of goofy uh you know thinks he's mentally superior villain when he's, that's the thing about he, modok he might, is be, the best. might not be is, is just enjoyable enough yeah sometimes he does show that he is. I mean, he ends up making a million dollars in 15 minutes. I mean, he does yeah. have a, a, a high intellect. The Blowing funny thing, up though, laptop is computers, he, to short a stock and buy yeah. it in another company. And like, even even with that deal, I like to where the one aim guy's like, oh, my God, my mom has one of those. <laughs> runs off. It's like just <laughs> funny. And and so with that, is, you end up have him. He's there with Monica leading AIM, and yet, again, he doesn't realize in my mind that nobody wants to get busy with him, but yet he, in his mind, thinks he's going to. But it's so crazy. But he does know about her. At least we think he does. She may say, I yeah, don't have that scar. There's something going on there. It's, it's, the fun, it's a fun mystery. I don't know. It kind of is just goofiness. I liked works. it. I actually liked it. I, I actually had enough fun to actually, I was going to give this like a seven. I, I'm up to an eight, eight, five. I'll even go eight, yeah. five. That was uh, it because I had a lot of fun with it. Uh, I think it's one of those. If you just want a goof, if you want something to laugh at that has Modoc, you're not going to get Modoc in a ton of things anyway. Uh, I would say check it out at least this first issue. What would you give it? I'm going to give it an eight because I liked one we're going to talk about later a little more. But uh, this was definitely one of the surprise books that I I wouldn't have snuck. I wouldn't have read it or or even thought twice about it if it wasn't on here. And and it's one of those I'm glad I did. So yeah, and and that's where there's there's the back and forth of this whole podcasting game that we do is sometimes you're forced to read and review books that you wouldn't ever read and you hate, and then people like why are you doing that and whatever. But you also tend to, you know. Try out some things like that because you're going to try to talk about most of them. So it works out that yeah. way. Uh, as a couple well. lately. That one and, and Taskmaster are on my list for for like things I'm looking forward to c- coming out still. Yeah, I'm with you. I'm I'm gonna actually go down to an eight for the same reason that you are giving yeah. it an eight as well because of later. <laughs> but we're gonna go to the next book, which is Miles Morales Spider Man number twenty one. That's written by Saladin Ahmed, pencils by Marcelo Ferreira, inks by Wayne Foucher, colors by David Coriel. And letters by V.C.'s Corey Petit. Turns out Ultimatum is also Miles Morales, the true Miles Morales of this world. And he plans to send Spider-Man and his family back to the universe they came from. But Miles won't go quietly. He and his uncle Aaron, a.k.a. the Prowler, were fighting off an army of goblinoids when the cavalry arrived, led by Captain America himself. They momentarily gained the upper hand until a supersized Ultimatum joined the fray. This is the Ultimatum saga conclusion 
It's been going on for a while. And I don't yeah. know that this is a quite a satisfying ending uh, for how long it's been going yeah. on. You pretty much now, I will tell you, I told you uh, sending messages back and forth about what we were talking about. By the end, I got some feels. I did get some feels with Miles's family and, you know, with Uncle Aaron and all that stuff going on. I really did. But to get to that, we've had a bunch of issues. At least we don't have outlawed nonsense here, but. We've had a bunch of issues that are very similar of let's just fight, let's fight, let's try to escape, let's fight. We have not had a lot of substance in quite some time. I think that's some of the problem with the emotional punch this issue that didn't quite hit me the way I thought it would when you gave me the heads up because the pace of the issue goes so fast. There's not that moment where you you slow down and you're like, oh, this is – it's getting me in that that kind of emotional – choke up in the throat or your heart starts hurting like that that kind of all missed me because of the way these uh last couple issues of miles have just flown through they have flown through and it's been just fighting fighting escaping fighting and again we'll bring it up one more time that we had in that recap what this is is ultimatum is the 616 miles morales when miles came over from the ultimate universe he ends up saying, you stole my thunder. This is me. I'm going. Now, it's odd that he's that old and, and and capable, but yet nobody knows. But the whole idea of it is that he is going to send Miles, his family, including Uncle Aaron, back to the Ultimate Universe. Now, a lot of people were excited about this because they thought this would kind of merge the Ultimate Universe up a little more. Or you would get him sent back. And he, But Miles isn't going back to no. the Ultimate Universe. Now, maybe it would have been a cool thing to have an arc where he does go back and then fights his way. And you may still have him trying to find Uncle Aaron his at uncle. some point. Yeah. What I had a problem with in this issue was you have a lot of fighting. And I got confused a bunch of times. I didn't know what was going on on the, the page. The transitions, yeah, are a little bit. And they, I think they even try to help that by the villain at some points even spelling out what he's doing. There's too many characters going in here that, yeah, it's cool to see everybody fighting and doing things, but they're not really doing much. Cap is just there. He shows up. Hey. I'm here for backup. End up just saying that because at this point, like we had at the last issue, you have Ultimatum now as Giant Man. Yeah. He's there, and you end up having, you know, Cap right away because this is how kick ass Cap is. He sees that, oh, he's favoring the right foot. He's not as good as Hank, like all those things. And you get that, and like, okay. And then they just zap him. He goes down, but then he shrinks. They don't know where he is. He comes back, and then it it just everything got a little bit confusing because it's just so much action in your face. And I think where you said you didn't get the emotional feel from it because of the pacing, I got a little lost is what happened with me. But by the end, you didn't really need to know what happened. I mean, really, this issue boils down to they're fighting off, you know, Green Goblin, who at least at one point you were upset because he was not the big threat that he should have been. Yeah, he comes back, but then he isn't again. So I'm like, really, you're, you're double dipping he, like, into just this. Kind of gets into position by the end of the story to end up going back where he needs to go. Then you have where it is shown where Ultimatum pretty much spells out, "Look, I have this device that will send you and your family." Back to the Ultimate Universe I'm going to use it and, and it's funny too because Of the biggest villain 
super villain type plans the, you know i'm gonna kill everybody i'm gonna wrap the world in a symbiote <laughs> cocoon right yeah. what we have this week he only wants to send them back like he's not like i'm gonna kill you because you came here. here yeah you're just going back to where you belong yeah i'm gonna send you back where you belong and you'll be fine because i won't separate your family either i'm gonna send them all back you can just start your life up again there it's like it's supposed to be the most evil plan ever Yet it's really not, but it is. And I mean, if this was just, I'm going to send you, Miles, back, but your family can stay and I'm going to, and then you would have something more. But the idea, I'm going to send everybody back. It kind of made me laugh by the end. Like, yeah, you're not as, you you just mad he stole your thunder. And then I start thinking, like, what do you think's going to happen after this, dude? I mean, this is the 616. Does he think he's going to join the champions? <laughs> Look at him. He's an old guy with a scarred lip. You know, so I don't know what his end game is after that. Like, he thinks he's just, oh, hey, everybody, I'm Miles now. They're like, no, you're not. Uh, but with all this going on, they figure out that the only way that they can stop this, especially Goblin and all that, is to then get Uncle Aaron to over power overload his suit so that it will explode it'll blow up this device and it'll send all of them back so and is it going to kill them they don't know they try to play it off that way but yeah they just go back there's no i mean here's the thing with that with miles since he's come over to uh 616 universe like he doesn't have that loss spider-man always has so i think what they're trying to do is it's kind of like the Spider-Verse movie is have have the loss instead of being directly, you know, his mom or dad be his uncle in this case. And, and that's how it happened in the movie. So that's the one everyone's. It used to be his, his mom, if I'm remembering correctly. I can't remember if it was his mom or his dad in the Ultimate Universe. One of the, them was the one that his mom, I'm pretty sure, had passed. Um, and when they came back to the 616, however long ago, everybody was fine. Uh, his uncle, everybody. So, yeah, I think they, they kind of need him to give that Spider-Man, uh, you know, you're, you're missing your relative Uncle Ben type situation. And, and the funny thing is it does look like, and we do think that they are in the Ultimate Universe then, uh, that it is this Miles that went back there uh, with Goblin and Prowler, if that's what actually, you know, ended up happening. That yeah, they went likely. back, But ev- everybody disappeared. And you end up where, where's Aaron? Where's Uncle Aaron? And that's where you have even Miles' dad there, like, oh, my God, what happened? And you get the whole deal where they also say, as always happens, the trope in these stories, once Goblin, once Ultimatum is out of the picture, then the rest of the Goblinoids will turn yeah. back to their regular Never mind self. they were taking drugs to turn them into Goblinoids. I was just going to say, <laughs> all of these people are drug addicts. That's what they were. Like, really? Like, they, I know that they, it's bad yeah. to say, but they ain't good people. Like, you should just no. start handcuffing them right away. Give them a drug well, the, test. This, it's also, to me, when you're taking a drug that turns you into that, it's not necessarily that person gets zapped off to another world, goes away, and you're better. I mean, I'm telling you, right now, if my meth dealer gets zapped to another world, I'm still high on meth. <laughs> I mean, that's just how I roll, yeah. right? So there you yeah, go. But yeah, with all way. this, I, I just like it where I'm looking at these people. The one guy staring at his hand, I think I, he took more than just the goblinoid <laughs> drug he's he's on lsd look at this guy he's always that way in the park caps like a 
This guy, I'm not sure he's ever moved this from this spot. He's always here. I think you're supposed to forget that these people were on drugs. I think you're yeah. supposed to completely forget that deal. I think the writer were that too. Yeah, I don't know. I love Saladin Ahmed, but still, he's when good, you get usually. when you get to this point, though, you don't want to remind people that oh yeah, all these innocents they, they weren't quite innocent. So yeah. they were drug addicts, but they, they were you know confused. They but you have all this going on and. I I like this part with Cap, but I don't because it, it doesn't come out the way like you sit there and go like, you know, I don't want to think Cap's a jerk, but I also don't want to think that Miles is a jerk as well. I want Miles to be upset. And then when Cap tries to, you know, tell him how it is or whatnot, you know, hey, the dialogue came out weird where you yeah. end up where Cap's like, well, who was this prowler? Well, first off, you don't have to say, but, you know, you end up having his father. That was my brother. And that's when you have Cap say, I'm so sorry. Whatever other choices he made, this was a noble thing he did here, a heroic thing. And it was. Yeah, I mean, yeah. and, and you get that idea where I wish there was more set up with and you had some, but not enough. And not recently, like you said, where you didn't get the feels because the last couple issues have just been full steam ahead. Fight, 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 where you don't get the idea that Aaron did want to have. The hero moment because he hasn't been great. Yeah, the same thing in the movie. The best thing in this is where you had him say to Miles, tell your baby sister that she met me once and I was okay and goes. And I got feels from it because I love the baby yeah, that sister That was the as better well. scene uh, to me than it, than it was Miles at the very end going back Yeah, there. well, and Cap says, you know, he did a heroic thing. This, this Aaron, your brother, did a heroic thing. And Miles gets mad. And says, that's easy to say. We're still here. And then Cap says, it is easy to say. <laughs> and I'm like, what are you saying, Cap? Like, really? Like, he should say, it's never easy to say. Like, Cap is a guy, and Miles would know this. Everybody would. Cap has seen people that he loved just die because of how. But also, he has been in World War II. He's been in event. All these things where if anybody knows if it's easy or not easy, whatever, Cap knows that. And Cap's a good yeah, guy. Cap is the perish. guy. The reason I love Cap's a great guy. So to just say, Cap, it is easy to say. And I know. And he just gets mad. No more words. And he just takes off. And then you you have hey uh, you know should we and then that's where you're also like well, you have a couple characters in here that are real entangled in the whole champion slash outlaw deal that I don't know that they should be here it really throws things off with Starling and stuff but you end up where you know Cap he didn't mean that and and Cap actually now he says the right thing after Miles leaves but Miles takes off and it's one week later and the family is upset and I I just. I don't know. I just really got some feels from this where Miles is down and out and they're trying to tell him, listen, we're sad too. you know, he's your uncle, but he's my brother. I'm sad, you know, and then you just have, you know, hey, hold your sister. And then they just all go and start crying together. And he starts when you end up having Miles look at his baby sister. He's obviously in my mind thinking back, you know, of what Aaron said to make sure that she knows about yeah, yeah. and whatnot. And so he starts crying and then the family comes over. And I like that because we have a book and selling the Met, even the Miss Marvel. He really centers on the family and stuff like that, which I really do like. And I actually wish maybe we stopped there. I actually think that's a really good cliffhanger to go forward. But then he goes totally. back to Prospect Park to go where, 
you ended up having Aaron go and that, you know, deal. And he's like, hey, Uncle Aaron, you know, it's me. I don't know where you went. I miss you. It's my fault. You're gone. And I, you know, I don't know if I want to keep doing this, meaning being Spider-Man. And I'm like, okay, it kind of went a little too far right here. You know, I wish that you would have had all that either. And I would have I but the the feels that I told you, it's the family deal and they start crying. I actually wish that at this point you end up seeing that Cap knows that Miles is going to come back here and wanted to wait for him and actually talk to him and say, hey, come with me. We we can talk about this. I you know, you may not realize this, but I, I really do know what you're going through here. Or you end up somehow where Peter finds out and Peter definitely knows how this is and maybe have that but mm-hmm. he's involved in his kindred stuff and whatnot so yeah, that was thrown off too but right yeah so you have this but i do expect at some point for a bunch of heroes to show up and kind of talk to miles about this and say you know i, I expect peter shopping like really now you're a real superhero we all have to have somebody die or disappear <laughs> like now you're in buddy uh so yeah I, I actually like this issue enough for what we but i don't think it was a great ending to the ultimatum deal it just almost seemed like that was like hey it's gone on too long let's push it aside to have this whole setup for all this time and all this mystery just to have aaron overpower his suit and boom they're gone uh, and like you said, Goblin has kind of been a chump the whole time. So that's that's a shame. Yeah. But overall, I think I still want to give it a seven because I did like that bit of the ending. I'll just go with that. I'll, I'll be positive. I have a feeling you're going to go in the sixes somewhere with that. But what would you give it? No, I mean, I'll give it a seven. I, I still enjoy this book. I you think, it, I think it's dreams. a good like uh, – you know, I don't. I don't think it's necessarily a book for like a thirty-eight-year-old man, but I think it's a it's a good book for like a, a teenage you. crowd or, or a younger kid getting into really? comics. Oh my. Yeah, that's what I would say. I mean, I think it's just a little like the writing and stuff, and kind of the way the feels come quick. It's it's just the pacing's a little off, and it feels like that I should have ADD when I read this to be more into it, just with the speed it goes and stuff. Maybe that's uh, why I like I, it. I don't know. I there's, certainly have it. So like, maybe that's it. I, I'm not, I'm not connecting all the dots sometimes with this book as far as where my feels should be, I guess. But I don't know. I say, I really enjoy miles as a character. Uh, I tell you, I played the, the PlayStation game and that thing choked me up all the way through. Uh, there, there's a couple moments in that that'll get you crying. But, um, you know, th- this I'm ready for the next story for Miles. Yeah, I would that's say, what I want to say. And I, I hope that the next story, like it, this, actually seemed to push Outlaw off. So I hope that that's done yeah. in this book and Which he I'm can go for. forward with. I mean, this Outlaw. I'll, stuff, I'll tell nonsense. you a nitpicky thing too about like the art. Like Spider-Man's mask throughout this entire book just feels off. There's something about the way they're drawing the bottom of his mask. It's wrong. That should be the top. And how they have the top oh, should be geez. the bottom because look at you. He, he looks all goofy. That's the way I used to draw it when I was a little kid. I could tell you that. I, that's how I know it's wild. You keep talking all. about tops and bottoms. I'm going to get excited. <laughs> we end up now with Thor number ten, and you said earlier yeah, that you wanted to, yeah. yeah, you wanted to go eight with the whole deal with Modoc because there was a book later that you like more. I, I kind of think it's this one since this is yeah. the last one we're talking about. Out of Store number here, 10. Yeah. Now, I do want to mention, just as an aside, that me and you like number nine. We like the mm-hmm. start of this prey. I, I got a little crap for us liking it as much as we did. A bunch of people told me that we were nonsense. 
and that we don't know anything. That that's what I was told. Boy, and I that wasn't that wasn't the right Donny Cates story to like. I thought you were supposed to like everything he does. No, it seemed like that was the wrong one, and people were all upset. Now nah, this whole deal of how is he that powered all these things that, that that's all gonna happen out. to you uh the day you finally like another tom king story again everybody that likes tom king is gonna hate it that's maybe maybe this week is that time with that and Cat coming out <laughs> well only only time will tell but this yeah. is thor number 10 it's written by donny cates art by nick klein colors by matt wilson vcs joe sabino on letters and design uh, Thor is the god of thunder and all father of Asgard. I'm about to choke down here. I'm in the basement. We had a, a flood again yesterday. Get and a spider stinks. in your mouth? I don't know, maybe, but it stinks down here. It stinks <laughs> like mold. Recently, the hammer Mjolnir has grown heavy for the king, while Thor struggles to lift it everyone else from a mechanic in Broxton to Thor's own brother, Loki, had no trouble picking up the hammer. Hoping to find answers from Asgard's elder gods, Thor attempted to trade places with his old alter ego, Donald Blake. Blake has been dormant for years now, enjoying what Thor believed to be an idyllic life in a world of Odin's making. But Thor was wrong. Trapped in a suburban fantasy, Blake went insane. Now the Thunder God's mortal vessel has a taste for blood, and Thor just released him onto Asgard, where Blake promptly broke the cane that allows them to trade places. So you go into this. I really liked it. I, I actually liked it a lot. Shame and it me actually, all you want, Yeah, really. And it actually... <laughs> does show you a couple things of why this is happening it also shows donald blake where he's realizing what he is which kind of is a plaything slash you know morality tale type thing that odin just made to prove things to thor and and that just makes him more and more mad the whole idea where he reads the book of kings he's reading all these things and he says he was made by odin as a toy for his son to play with to teach him a lesson and Donald thinks no more, and they're going through all the hell that he went through. And even as we go through this, what I really like, and he's tearing pages out of the book, he's grabbing weapons, but as we go with this, I do even like the idea, because I'm not a huge historian of Thor, so you ended up having the dragon that is dead. We go back to it later where Thor finds him, and even the idea where you had Donald Blake he was there, and the dragon couldn't get to him. But then once Odin passed on the deal, the spells that Odin had left. And that's what kind of led to this breakdown of all this stuff and allowing, you know, Donald Blake and making him go insane, things like that. I thought that that was a really cool deal. Yeah, I liked how they, they gave reasoning for it, you know. It, it, it kind of didn't feel forced either. Like, it was all slid into the story nicely. No, no. And he's there, and he's going through all of the weapons. He's looking at all the The destroyer stuff, army there. The destroyer army. And what makes me laugh, and I'll tell you, I'm going to tell you my joke that I told myself today. Out loud, I said this as I was just reading it by myself, and it made me laugh so much like an idiot. I started choking on my lunch, and this is all it was where he's there, where he's there to destroy your armor, and he's like, How, how do I turn you on again? And I just imagined the destroyer armor. Just buy me a drink first. And yeah. it made me laugh so much. I thought you were going to say that's what she said. No, no. It, it just, <laughs> just made simple. me laugh so much, and I ended up choking on my, my thing. But you end up having Sif come in, Beta Ray Bill. You end up having... You know, pretty much everybody come in to pretty much take down Donald Blake, and he just rips through them. I mean, he really does. He rips them apart. And if people are going to be upset, I guess, about this, 
Maybe they'll be upset about how Beta Ray Bill is just just destroyed here. That turns into a monstrosity. Be. Yeah, yeah. And, and would, would Eric just, look would rather look at Beta Ray Bill's horse face in his face or the faceless Beta Ray Bill? <laughs> he's you know straight out of Harry Potter. <laughs> yeah, Voldemort. Yeah, he is Voldemort. He looks just like him. Um, but you're getting this thing, and what people yelled at me. Four of us liking last time was the idea Well how is You know Donald Blake so powerful How can he do this how can he do that uh, It's kind of explained a bit With the whole idea of the spells And things like that but I think if you have A problem you're still going to because I can't quite Explain yeah, how well, he is taking Down everyone The explanation I pulled out of here is he's He's got every power Thor is granted, you know, so essentially that plus a little dragon power he got from this dragon. Who made well, that's a deal what I'm him. saying. The dragon deal, then that's what starts explaining things a little more, even that he is, he's powered himself up and he's insane and he has a scalpel. Mm-hmm. I mean, he, he's going to town now. Yeah. He even has Asgardian weapons, all these things going on, but he just, he just destroys. I would rather Bill. fight a dude with a giant axe or sword than a, a guy who knows how to use a scalpel. <laughs> He's going to go for the back of your knees or your ankle or something like that. Even no. at the one point where Bill, look at him where he's like you see his hand going so fast to just cut him up as he's trash talking. But yeah, he even says and, and the basic idea that he's going with, again, is not. Hey, I want to rule Asgard. Hey, I want to. It's no more Thor's. This is his thing. He doesn't want anything to do with Thor's. He's going to change things with that. And yeah, he's going to run the place, but he's going to run the place so that you can't have that. But you even have Volstag. Everybody is just getting destroyed. So then the Thunder Guard comes in with Lady Sif. They're going to go and try to. And he just goes through them. And. It is a very fast-moving issue, but unlike, and I'll, I'll tell everybody, we did talk about King and Black for the Patreon Spotlight this week. So if you want to hear that, you'd have to. But we talked about that issue showing us things like Null being a badass and ripping through, but, but we knew that. Yeah. With this, I like this progression of... You know, seeing Donald Blake just ripping through them and then gradually getting more and more info of how he can do it to make him a big threat. Plus, he's insane. Mm-hmm. He, and and, he, and oh, he's yeah. insane. And he, wants, he wants to, like, burn everything Thor knows and, and holds dear. So Here's the thing. If they found him in a cell somewhere in space and then you're like, okay, he's insane. He's insane because of Thor. He's insane because of Odin and Thor and Thor not switching places with him anymore. And then that whole prison world joke deal just fell apart when he started figuring out dragon too. like what what the dragon says throughout this. I think if Donald Blake and if Odin was was wandering around, he he would still be fine in his la la land. But what? Oh, yeah. The combination of Odin and this dragon teasing him a little bit and kind of egging that crazy on is has kind of pushed him to this breaking point. And there's even that little bit that when he's reading the book, A King, all that, where he reads the part, he realizes that everything that he thinks was his life was just, it's made yeah, up. He's made not up, real. Yeah. He It's all made up to have this idea with that because he's just there. And again, you're just there. Your whole existence that you thought was something is really nothing and only made for Thor. 
it, it was made for Thor to have a lesson to do this and to switch back. So it really just everything hits him, and he was already insane. So he is just pissed, and he rips through the Thunder Guard. Then he ends up pretty much going, oh, yeah, you know, you see all these things coming. You buy Frostiel. Well, here you go. Ba-boom. And then they're in Dimension Blood. I mean, things are getting really, really bad for yeah. everyone in this. Plus, they, they can't find Thor. They don't know and because he's stuck in that crazy world. They look like you know, they got sent deal. to the grass and Honey, I Shrunk the Kids and all the bugs are giant. <laughs> honey, I shrunk the kids times eight in a horrific way. I mean, it's like, honey, I sent the kids to hell. And yeah. So they're there. And then you end up at Asgard where, okay, there's that. He's cleaned up a bit, right? He looks good cleaned up. He's done. So now it's like he's cleaned up. He's walking the Bifrost. He's heading to freaking Midgard just to screw with more people from Thor's life because he goes right to Jane. He goes right to James Foster, but while that's going on, you do go back to the below the shadows of the world of Ash, where his whole world was, where he was, and it says the once kingdom and cage of Dr. Donald Blake, and you end up having Thor talking to Jormungand, the dragon, and this is where, up until this point, I'm like, okay, we're getting, and I keep thinking in my mind, like, like I said, people giving us crap about it, but even just the little bit with the dragon and the idea that this would have worked out, but the magics were broken when Odin switched off and said, here you go, Thor. You know, everything was there and right until the Odin force passed to me, Thor says, and he's like, I, little bird, and your magics are broken. And I came to Blake to free him. And that's the worst part. He came to free Donald Blake and, and he ended up just slicing him and stealing his power. And, yeah. you know, and he says, you know, he ended up to show him he was a pawn because they all are. I mean, that's kind of the deal is I wanted to go get Donald Blake because I felt bad because he was a pawn just like all of us. And he took it. My power right there explains everything. And but with it, he discovered the Odin force within himself as well. Ups the ante as well. So if you were upset with the idea, now you can yeah, still say, well, you can say, well, if, it, if it, that's forced in and that's bullcrap or whatever, that's fine if you don't like it. But that is enough for me to go with because what I am really interested in is just a crazy Donald Blake who's just slicing and dicing everyone and just has this pissed off chip on his shoulder. That I don't know can be solved I mean really the only way that you can solve This is to re-up the magic So he gets back to The world where he forgets yeah, because he does reset. Place. He does reset When that happens and that's the Only way that I could see this Pretty much I don't think he's going to be one of those guys Who says yeah you're right I'm I'm wrong he's hey, Get this dragon out of there so it doesn't remind Him of anything you know <laughs> But even with that, you have, and, and again, I think that Donny Cates does a real good job because he heads off to a hospital, and you're like, is he going to kidnap a baby? Because he's going through, he's looking at the baby. <laughs> yeah, he's talking the maternity work. Maybe the other thing might be that he, you know, Jane might be able to solve something for him and with him because she... He shows up, hey there, Jen. Oh, Donald, it's been so long. Well, maybe her just being genuinely a good person that's never had it out for him. <laughs> but she's also been an Odin pawn at points in time, so maybe he's got it out for her. And it's right before like. that, he, he says, the dragon says, he is the dragon now, and yet, and is so much more, he will take everything, everything you have ever loved. And then he's like, Jane! And you're like, oh no. 
But, you know, she has some things going on as well that she could end up, you know, doing some stuff and, and fending for herself. She's a tough cookie. So and he, she ends up, my God, I haven't seen you. I mean, you in so long. And he's like, far too long. You're like, oh, no. But yeah, I, I really liked it. I really, really liked it. I really like Nick Klein's art on this. I think that the story is one of those where a lot of, you know, Donnie Cates' thing is to change the mythos. It's to change the things. It's to use something that he looked up in the past and people haven't dealt with in a while and, and tying that into something like this. I mean, the whole Venom thing with the symbiotes and all that. And so if you don't like that, I, you're not going to like many of his books. But this, to me, especially being someone who has read a little Donald Blake stuff back in the day, like three issues of Thor at the very beginning, uh, I got a kick out of just seeing him at first. But with this, I like the slow build, getting information as you go. I think everything is connecting. And he just an insane guy that you can't stop like that is like the worst villain. We talked about Modoc, who thinks he's the supervillain because he's so smart, but he's kind of a joke. But he thinks, but a guy who's just completely insane, and we've seen him rip through gods. And, and that's pretty tough. So I, I really like this. I'm going to give it. I'm going to go nine out of ten. I actually am going to go higher than I uh, originally thought when I first read it. The more I read this, I actually do enjoy it. Uh, what would you give it? Yeah, I'm going to give it an eight five. I, that's just kind of you know a book I'm enjoying right now. Um, yeah, I don't really have much more to say about it than, uh, you know, I don't have to pick on it for any reason. You know, there's no nitpicks like Spider-Man's mask in here or anything like that. It's just a story. Top I don't spotters. have a great history Yeah, with Donald Blake. So it, the changes don't bother me. They bugged me with Venom at first, and eventually I got on board. And, you know, now I'm sick of Noel again, but we'll, we'll see where this goes. Uh, when me and you and Eric were talking about it, we ended up where you and Eric were both upset about that. Like, you had that that thing yeah, i I'm didn't still, i'm still a, like i feel like all this spite he's very much pulled spider-man out of the beginning of the the um, you know symbiote mythos except for the kind of tossins we get with the david or peter david stuff which i don't know you know you, you can take those which one but they to me they don't feel like they have a great impact and and change the history for spider-man in any way it's just a thing that happened whereas this venom stuff you could include Spider-Man in that string and, and how it's linked and everything. But I, I, that's the one complaint I really have about it. Uh, it other than that, it ties to Venom, I think, are strong in the, in the history there. But I, I get a little peeved. It, it, it excludes really the, the first time you see it and changes it to something else. Yeah, yeah. But this is, like you said, you don't have much of a Donald Blake background. So that's not going to affect you that much well, there. Why, yeah, it doesn't. But I think maybe that's why some of the people may be picking on us for it. That's their problem with it right now. You know, maybe you just move past it like I did eventually, or, or you're not. You just hate the story and you wait for and, this. And, you know, just, just to piss more people off, I actually am now fully on board with this uh, when I wasn't that on board with that ending since Fresh Start Jason Aaron uh, Thor. I, I really wasn't into it. It wasn't my thing. It was relying too much on his, you know, past deal, which it would. But I, I almost enjoyed it up until that point, and that's where I started falling off of it. I was like, this doesn't feel like the same. Yeah, so I am now enjoying And even I got crap because I said with the Galactus stuff, it was just too much when I wanted to see more of Thor. 
Now I'm kind of settled in here, and I do like this way of going back and forth and stuff like that with Donald Blake. I think that's pretty clever, and I did enjoy it. So, yeah, 9 out of 10 for me. And that is the end of the show right here. Like I said, I'm going to be coming back this week with a bunch of shows, catching up with the X-Men stuff, the last three issues of the Ten of Swords, before we get to our regular Monday X-Men show. Me and Matt will be around on Saturday night to get back to the Star Wars stuff. And I'll also have a little show kind of thrown in somewhere around there, probably on Sunday, where we will have the two books that we were going to do on this, but ended up this was going pretty long anyway. But it'll be the Daredevil and Black Widow from this week, both issues that I really like. So thanks, everybody. Remember, go over to Twitter at WS Marvel Comics. Follow us. We'll follow you back. Our website, WeirdScienceMarvelComics.com, and also our Patreon, Patreon.com, slash WeirdScience. Again, if you want to hear me and Clay talk Fantastic Four Road Trip, and me and Brandon talk King in Black number one. But thanks, everybody. And I'll be talking to you a bunch of times very, very soon.